The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? John, doing great today. It's always a beautiful day here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, I always like being here in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's been so much going on in the wrestling world. I feel like the last couple of weeks, there's just been so many wrestling deaths, unfortunately, going on. And I guess the first one I'll start off with is, was the legendary Pat Patterson. So what did you think of, obviously, you know, he was almost 80 years old and he had some health problems. But what did you think about the passing of Pat Patterson? Well, as we know, death is going to befall all men and it's going to come to us all we're not going to get out of this world alive that's why i don't take anything way too seriously anymore and never really have so um yeah it, it's sad pat was a a great mind but uh and i i got along with pat especially after i stopped wrestling but when we first came to wwe he certainly wasn't a fan of mine or or the heavenly bodies that's for sure but be that as it may uh pat was uh, he could be hilarious, he could be funny, he could be charming and, and entertaining as hell. So uh, I shared dinner with Pat quite a few times, uh, would, ha- would have conversations. You know, Pat could be very congenial and and um, a lot of fun to be around, a lot of fun to talk to. And once I stopped wrestling and didn't have a, a stake in anything, he was easier to talk to, I think. And uh, I think... It just goes back to what everyone says. He was the a huge piece of the uh, ingredient in making WWF what it was at, at, in the beginning. And um, I don't think uh, uh, you, you without Pat, it certainly wouldn't have been the same. I'm, I'm sure Vince would have found a way to make it work. But Pat was definitely the one of the key pieces of the puzzle that made WWF when it first started. What did you think about him as a mind for the business? Everyone's his genius. You know, you get all these guys that they kind of bring him in whenever they want to work at a match, whether it's Hogan or Shawn Michaels or Brett or Kurt Angle. So many guys kind of relied on him for a lot of info and, and intel and helped him. 
what did you kind of think about him as a mind for business? I I remember, and I don't I, I don't remember exactly how it was asked, but I I just remember Pat saying to me, uh, he said I I've seen so many things throughout my career um, that gave me ideas and suggestions to bring up, and uh, one of the things was a two ring battle royal in San Francisco, and uh, so I, I think. It goes back to having a creative mind. And back in those days uh, of the territory days, you know, Pat was in West Texas early in his career, too. He he caught some knowledge from Dory Funk Sr., Eddie Graham, Roy Shire, and guys like that. And he applied it, learned it, and added to his imagination and creativity. And... Uh, one of the things I've learned throughout the years is it really is just an idea come to life. Whatever you want to make it, uh, you can make it if you can envision it. And Pat had these great ideas, and uh, obviously he had a path for Shawn Michaels to follow, and Shawn could could sit with Pat for for hours on end just talking over matches and talking over ideas to do in the beginning, the middle, and the end of a match. And that's that takes a lot of talent, especially to come up with the finish, um, a creative finish, to, to a main event match. And uh, even a main event match uh, at, at WrestleMania takes uh, a lot of creativity and imagination. And uh, the guy who, in my opinion was certainly uh, in in the running to take Pat's not not take no one will ever take Pat's place but will to to fill the slot and he's been filling that slot for the last couple of years is Michael Hayes. Michael has always had a creative mind and and uh, great imagination. So uh, to listen to Michael and Pat sit over a drink talking about. Uh, a match or matches or angles was was fascinating to me, and um, it was especially for somebody who who is listening, wondering how the hell do you do you come up with this? Well, it's 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 part of the uh, talent that you have when you're you're that creative, and uh, uh, I, I think the next most creative guy I've ever run across in this building would have to be. Uh, Michael Hayes and Pat was certainly more than likely the first. So uh, it was sad, certainly, for him to die. But once again, we're all gonna gonna cross that bridge one day, and uh, it was probably probably better off, you know. If you're not, I think if your quality of life is is where you don't know what's going on, or you're not cognizant of of uh, uh, of anything around you, then then I, why continue on is is the way I look at it. So he, he, I think Pat is probably uh, in a better place right now with no pain and and no worries. What did you have a problem, or what did he have a problem with you? As far as you're saying, maybe he didn't like the heavenly bodies at first. That's kind of surprising. You don't hear that too often. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no, I you know I I used to go visit Bruce on occasion, and uh, we went and had. Uh, dinner at Pat's house on on one of my visits, and and I just I, I cannot explain uh, why I why I am the way I am or why I was the way I was. But I just um, 
wasn't connecting. And uh, when we came to to work for WWE back in in '93, I guess we worked some TVs, and and uh, I remember someone came up to us, might have been Bruce, and said, "Pat wants to talk to you guys." And I'm thinking he's going to tell us what a great match we had, and he did just the opposite and told us how. Uh, nothing made sense, and everything we did was uh, uh, horrible. And 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 it, I, you know, some guys, I guess, you just don't like, and and that's that's okay. That's just a business. That's the way it is. And I had that personality of uh, I wasn't very engaging myself. So I have to look in the mirror, and 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 that it probably was uh, uh, just one of those things that we didn't connect. Yeah, you know, but but once again, after I stopped wrestling and. Uh, was coaching and, and training guys, and uh, was more in the meetings. And he would come over to the to the studio at times, and we would laugh and, and tell stories. And and uh, he, I remember him as Lord Patrick Patterson in El Paso, sitting on a lawn chair in the studio with a with a drink and an umbrella in it, and say, "How do you how do you dare all you farmers? This is Lord Patrick Patterson from England, you know." And uh, he wasn't from Canada back then. He was from England, you know. So I don't know. It, it, it's it's one of those things where sometimes you click and sometimes you don't. And um, uh, during my time there as a, as a wrestler, it just we, we weren't his cup of tea. And that's okay. It, if we wanted to make it, if we wanted to be his cup of tea, we would have changed our ingredients and we would have done what we needed to do. And, and it's up to... It's up to you, the performer, up to you, the wrestler, up to you, the guy who's out there doing it, to do it uh, the way somebody wants you to do it. And I think when you first get to WWE, you go through a lot of tests. And even today, I think uh, you, you they test everyone just to see how they handle the assignment given and how you embellish on it or... Uh, uh, contrive it yourself and I think that was a a huge part it's a relationship business and at that time in my life I was not the easiest guy to make relationships with so uh it all I'll I'll, I'll take it all on my shoulders and if if it because it's his it, it was his time it was uh he was he was the boss at that time not me so you you would have to ask Pat but unfortunately, he's he's no longer uh, able to answer us. So, what did you kind of think about him being a genius? And I know that gets thrown around sometimes, and we've talked about that before. But do you really think he was a wrestling a genius, a wrestling savant? I think he was a genius in the sense that he was able to get close to Vince McMahon, uh, become a trusted confidant, ally, um, person of, of reliance, and, and someone you could go to with anything. And, and, and a guy like Vince certainly needs a guy like Pat that uh, uh, he, you can trust. And <laughs> trust doesn't come easy in, in this business. And um, I think Pat was was the kind of guy who uh, was a genius in a sense that he had a feeling for what would work. At one time, he, he, he just had the golden touch. 
And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I go back to Michael. Michael Hayes uh, at times would have that golden touch. And it was one of those things that uh, you either have it or you don't. And uh, you're right. The word genius gets thrown around way too loosely, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, that, that was probably a genius as far as the business was concerned. You know, he, I, I remember, again, uh, don't, don't know how it came up in the conversation, but he said, uh, you know, I'm talking about needing a break because he was thinking about business all the time. You know, uh, from the minute he, he woke up, uh, you know, and, and and there was no free time during the day. There was nothing except constantly working on uh, the business and working on the matches, working on the next show, working on the next TV, and working on everything else in between. Uh, he said, I'd be thinking about things in, my, in, in the shower and going over the match, and sometimes it just wears on you. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it takes, it can be pretty exhausting. I, uh, You know, I did it for a while, and um, I got to tell you, I need a break. I think everybody needs a break, but but those guys, guys like you know JJ, Pat, Bruce, uh, when Cornette was up there, you don't get a break because Vince wants to work all all waking hours, and if you could work and sleep, which I'm sure he does, um, you you have to be on the same page as he is all the time, and that can be a pretty demanding task and. It, it it takes a, a pretty special person to be in that in that position, and uh, Pat definitely dedicated his life to the business, which is which is good. I guess Bruce is the one that he, he was really close to Pat, especially out of you guys, right? Definitely, yeah, definitely. It was Bruce. Bruce and Pat were uh, inseparable for the first few years, and Bruce was up there and. Um, uh, working at Vince's house, and then after work, you know, they they would go out to dinner and work even more, and and you know, having those early early morning, late night days, you know, eighteen twenty hour days. When people say that, you don't unless you've done it, you you can't comprehend it. And and I've done it. I I understand what they mean when they say it's it's Vince's time, it's Titan time, and uh, you have to be ready at all hours of the day and night, if he wants to call and tell you, hey, look at page 14 of the script. You know, right here on, on page 14, uh, uh, segment segment 10, why are we doing this? Well, give me a second to get it. Why aren't you looking at it now? I mean, you know, things like that. Uh, it, it takes a special person to understand that those type of demands and those type of... Uh, idiosyncrasies are going to be in effect when you work up there. And if you you don't want to accept that and you don't understand that, that uh, there's going to be some, some crazy stuff thrown at you and, and you're going to ask, why is this important now? And, and, and you'll go to all this this uh, trouble or, or effort to, to get it done when – Two hours later, three hours later, after you work it all out, uh, you'll hear, "Oh, never mind, we got it fixed." So, you know, that, that was just far for the course. And guys like Pat and and everybody who's been close to events up there uh, understood it, 
melded into it and uh, got it. And that's that's why some people last and some people don't. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's my take. What did you think of him as far as, like, you know, he comes in, he comes out, he, he retires, doesn't want to retire. What did you kind of think of that? Do you think, kind of think that's him loving the business? Or do you think that Vince is like, okay, I'm very reliant on Pat. I need him, so he just keeps bringing him back. Was that like a, a little uh, bit of the case? Uh, you know, I think it was a little bit of that, but it was a lot of uh, Pat not having anything else to do and not knowing anything else. That's the other thing. Once you've done this for so long, uh, day in, day out, uh, for your entire life, one, once you stop, you know, it, it's it's like stopping a cruise ship at sea. It takes a while for it to stop. You don't just put on the brakes and jump off. No. Um, same thing with, with, with this. You know, the, the you get tired of the rat race, but all of a sudden you say you want a break, but after about 72 hours, you go, whoa, whoa, i got to get back on the road because I can't take sitting at home or I can't take doing anything but what I was doing. You, you get you get your fill, but then all of a sudden uh, you get away from it and you start jonesing, I think. And I think that's what Pat did. I think, um, you know, Louie passed away, his partner of many, many years. He, he passed away, oh, God, maybe 30 years ago? I don't know. But but it's been, it, it had been a long time, and, and uh, so Pat really had no one or no thing to hold him down. And... Uh, you know, WWE was his family. Pat Vince was his family, and and Bruce was family, and and uh, it, it's it's one of those things that that's all he knew. It's all he he was uh, comfortable in. I think he could go to the karaoke bars, he could go to the to the lounge or to the bars and and sit there. But you know, eventually the lights come on, and you know you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, type thing, and where are you going to go? So I think being on the road was a safe place for him, for Pat, and uh, uh, it's it's where he belonged. And I think Vince, on occasion, needed him, wanted him there. But I do know that there were times when uh, Pat would be in meetings, and oh, and uh, he would he would say something, and and Vince would say, well, maybe you should, you know come back to the office and, and help us out there. And I don't think he wanted to go back in that rat race because the officer is is, is long hours and can be very uh, – uh, that, that can be a draining experience, you know, and Pat, I think, had enough of that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm only – again, I'm only guessing here too because uh, only Pat and Vince and those guys know if it was uh, – uh, mutual, or if it was just Vince saying, "Come on back, Pat, we need you." Yeah, he was at the uh, production meeting for the last Royal Rumble last year. Well, technically this year, but la- the last Royal Rumble, he was part of the production meeting. So I thought that was an interesting thing that I found out. Well, it makes sense. Once again, I mean, uh, what, what's what's Pat going to do? And if you're just sitting at home, uh, that could have been Vince's way of saying, "Come on, come on down. Let's see what's going on, or just say hi." It do you good. So, uh, no pressure on him. Just come down and sit in the meeting. If you have an idea, offer it up. And 
And, and it's good that Vince will do that for people. It's good that Vince does it for 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 his company because his company is his life, and the people around him are his life. So uh, it works out like that. I guess they were best friends. That's what a lot of people are saying. Is that actually true? Does Vince McMahon actually have a best friend? I don't know if that's possible. Uh, I think Vince has close associates and close uh, uh, people he can reach out to. But, uh, you know, the definition of friend means different things to different people. And for me, uh, you know, I, I, I only had uh, one best friend in, in this in this world. And uh what what constituted that was just understanding that there there was no no judgment calls. There was uh if if he if if he needed to call me at three thirty in the morning and just say, Hey look man, what do you think about this idea? Well, then, then I understood where he was at and we'll we'll talk about that for a little bit. Or if I uh, if I needed to drive eighty miles just to go eat pancakes or waffles. You know, if that's what you need, well, yeah, that's that's what a best friend does. And uh, uh, if Vance if needed uh, to go to dinner and, and run something by Pat, there was there was no question to ask. It was, all right, I'll meet you in, in 20 minutes or an hour, wherever it was. So, but, but as far as being, um, you know, whatever Vince feels is a friend, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm sure he has confidants, and Hunter definitely is one of those that that if Vince needed to call, uh, he would be there, no questions asked, and Pat Pat was definitely on that list. Also passing away recently was Steve Casey, also known as Steve Dane or Steve Sasser, but I think most people will know him as Steve Casey in the wrestling world from. Uh, uh, global, who's a two-time tag team champion there, he wrestled in, in world class. Um, I don't know if you knew him or didn't know him or how well you knew him, but I just wanted to mention uh, his passing as well. Yeah, I, I think we might have passed uh, here and there uh, when I was down in that area, but I didn't know Steve Casey very well. Um, nice enough guy, though. Uh, I mean, I do remember seeing him, seeing him work, but... Uh, well, wasn't wasn't uh, acquainted, except in uh, hey, how are you? And that's it. Also, Zeus, tiny Zeus Litster passed away. I don't know if you crossed paths with him, but obviously you know who that big behemoth was, right? Well, of course, yeah. And and Zeus or Tiny was uh, one of those guys who was made. Uh, for the business is even though he wasn't in necessarily except for the Hogan deal and, and uh, he, he was more, more around Hollywood. He looked the part. He was the part. He didn't, uh, when, when he needed to be that, he was that. And he was like, um, uh, I can equate him almost to the Sheik or Abdullah, the original, the original Sheik, not, uh, not, uh, the iron Sheik, but you know, he would, he would be, the bad guy when he was out in public if he needed to be the bad guy. And I always heard that about him. He he never wavered from from the part he was playing when he was doing Hogan, uh, working with Hogan. And even in the you know, during the filming of the movie he always was Zeus and, and not Tommy Lister. So 
Um, I never had the opportunity to meet him, but you know he's he is he's one of those guys. Uh, when I would watch him on promos and interviews, and and when he was being Tiny Lister, that that just struck me as a guy who understood. Uh, it's all perception, and when he was going in to do something, not necessarily playing a part, but he became the part for as long as he needed to be it. And he knew when people would see him on the streets uh, or see him out that they were expecting to to have this larger-than-life character, larger-than-life persona, not just your average everyday bear uh, meet and greet you. So. I don't think he was a jerk, but I think he certainly uh, continued on with his uh, part of being that bad guy, being the guy in the movie who who was uh, uncontrollable and a big bully. So, uh, and everybody says, you know, he he had that that great kind heart and soul, and 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 there's no doubt because. I don't think Hogan would want to work with somebody who didn't and and wasn't didn't didn't get it, and I, it was obvious that uh, the Zeus did get it. So he's another guy. He was only sixty two years old, and, and I don't I haven't heard the cause yet, but but it is still sad because uh, he was in shape, he looked the part, and he, I think he had a lot more years left in in Hollywood. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right. He's one of those guys that's like man. He is a monster. Just like he's got that perfect look, even if he is really nice or you know really a sweetheart of a guy. You just look at him like, don't mess with this guy. This guy is scary as hell. Yeah, and th- and that was what made him the character he was. That's why he got those character parts because he he was absolutely excellent in everything he did, and uh, that's what you wanted to have. Uh, when you watch the movie or or WrestleMania or whatever it might be, uh, have a believable, at least for the moment you're watching this guy perform, make him believable and and live that that gimmick or that part, and don't uh, don't do a wink and a nod and and say, hey, I'm really a nice guy, you know. So, uh, yeah, very very sad thing to hear. And SummerSlam 89, Hogan and Beefcake versus Savage and Zeus did very well for the Hulkster in the WWE and Vince McMahon. So, you know, you can't say it wasn't a draw either. He, he drew pretty well, and obviously Hulk is the, the main culprit of that. But still, to have a feud with Hogan, and it drew pretty well. Well, of course. And, uh, you know, that that speaks volume for a guy like Zeus and and the movie and, and the whole uh, package. Not just anybody could have done that, but I think it was a testament to his uh, love of not only professional wrestling, but I, I'm, I'm sure he got along great with Hulk. Um, I, I can see those two guys meshing real well, uh, even though I don't know don't know Tiny Lister, but I, but I know Hulk, and he's the kind of guy if you can't warm up to him, um, then you really need to look in the mirror. So Hulk wanted him to make it work. Tiny wanted to make it work, and uh, and they did, and that's that's the key. So, yeah, we we just lost a great, uh, well, a great person, but a great character and a great, um, uh, well, a great character for WWE wherever it may be. Now, as far as kind of you know, like his his place in history, 
you can't kind of, I guess, say, you know, all-time great or something like that, but you probably would say, like, unforgettable monster, one of those guys that, you know, when somebody mentions the name, you're probably going to recognize it, right? Well, if you talk about Hogan and Zeus or you talk about No Hold Bard and you may not rank it in the greatest movie of all time or greatest angle of all time, but you certainly would look at the the persona, the person, the size, the uh, the the gimmick or everything that this guy portrayed. And that would be a spectacle and he was 65 66665 something like that he looked like a badass he was a badass whether he was in gangs whether he wasn't it doesn't matter he looked like there was a possibility that he was a dangerous guy he might have had a heart of gold but he he looked like you didn't want to cross him. And uh, no matter where you bring it up or pull it up, if you bring up uh, Hogan angles or Hogan matches or Hogan opponents, he's going to look ferocious. He's going to look like a monster. He's going to look menacing. And that that added to the allure of seeing the all-American hero Hulk Hogan prevail and, uh, and, and... make sure everyone was safe in their homes that night from this uh, monstrous, devilish Zeus and uh, made sure that you said your prayers and ate your vitamins. Now, as far as kind of what's been going on in the wrestling world, you became a talk of the town most recently. No. Yes, yes. Just for some comments. I hard to find that hard to believe. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? You don't believe it at all. So you really became uh, talk of the town. But just really, when I was reading what you wrote, I'm like, okay, makes sense. Then these fans, you know, quote-unquote fans, come out of the woodwork and they start seeing all this kind of stuff that, you know, maybe maybe I'm too old or maybe I'm out of touch with them. I'm like, wait, are they, you know, are they making any sense? They kind of aren't really making any sense. What happened and what did you think about these, quote-unquote, controversial comments that weren't controversial at all? (laughs) Well... Here's the thing. You know, look, um, I know wrestling has to change. I know wrestling uh, evolves, but so does baseball, so does football. Every sport has to change for their fans and, and to make it more exciting. Once again, Major League Baseball owns the factory that makes the baseballs. Um the The knock on baseball, and I'm not a huge baseball fan, but... But we have a minor league team around here called the Smokies, and I've watched some Astros games growing up. But the thing is, it's the, the knock-on baseball is it's too slow. So what do you do to speed it up? We've we got to have more home runs because when you hit a home run, that's excitement. And they looked at the balls that were being made the last few years, and, and they're not the same. I mean, they're, they're a little more bouncier. they they have a little more uh, length to them, I guess. I don't know. But they're not made the same as they were. And there's more home runs being hit this year and last year and last five years, I guess, than ever before. So you make baseball more exciting. I, I get that drift. I get that line of thinking. 
professional wrestling the same way. And I just read through one of these fans' comments where Carl Gosh was knocking Harley Race for coming off the top rope with the head button saying, if you look like a clown, you dress like a clown, you're going to be called a clown. And he was calling Harley a clown and because he was coming off the top rope. But Carl also said in that that there used to be 38 territories and I've been kicked out of all of them, so what do I know? Okay, I get it. But um, I wasn't really saying, uh, I don't know that it was that bad. All, all I saw was this guy, uh, his, his name, let me, let me just read this, John, because I, I do have something to say about this. The guy, he goes as Crip, C-R-I-P, Flair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and he is an IQ wrestler, and, and he uh, put this gif up of Austin and Brett, and all Austin does is, is takes takes Brett back to the rope, shoots him off, drop toe holes, goes into a headlock, Brett sits out into a hammerlock, comes around, and and, and it's just the the snap, the the body language, plus both of these guys look like professional wrestlers, professional athletes. They look the part of Brett the Hitman Hart and a guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin. They look the part. They look like they're rugged. They look like they're fighting. They look like they we know it's a work. We know it's predetermined. We know they're not really mad at each other. We know all that. But I'm saying the look, the action, everything they did was crisp and solid. So all I did was I retweeted this gif and I added, but but I didn't see any Havacoronas or toupees, and which I know it's a Huracanana and a tope, but I wrote those in uh, quotation marks because it means the same thing. So I wrote, being a smartass, I guess, but but I didn't see any Havacoronas or toupees. Done right with guys who know how, in capital letters, look the part and have feeling it has a different flavor. Everything they did in four moves meant something. Lost art, lost authenticity. That's all I said. Now, I didn't say it was a shits. I didn't say it was terrible. I didn't say you shouldn't do spots because let me be very clear. You should do spots. You do need excitement. You do need high flying. You do need stuff to add to the to the match. You need home runs. You need touchdowns. You need sparkle. You need pizzazz. You need spectacle. I wasn't saying one word that you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you should do it when it's done right. If you've ever been to a concert or a show, I've seen Kiss three times. Uh, I've seen Aerosmith four times. I've seen Van Halen. I've seen David Lee Roth. I've seen I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen guys play at a tavern. I've seen guys stand on stage and strum a guitar. Well, it's all in the presentation. If you get a guy standing on stage, bare bones, strumming a guitar, okay, does he feel it or is he just going through the motions? I've seen guys feel it and have a hell of a stage show by themselves, and I've seen guys stand on stage and just go through the motions with no feeling, looking like they're trying to feel it or trying to give you a show, but it's hokey. It's a Holiday Inn band. You follow me? It's not guys who who have been anywhere but their mom's basement or the Holiday Inn or maybe the Radisson. I don't know if that's a step up or not. But they're playing for about, I don't know, 
50, 60 people, and and they play that way, and they're trying to get into it like there's more there and trying to give you their heart and soul, but it's just not, I'm not buying it. I'm not reacting to it, and they're not reacting to it. And that's what I'm talking about when I say feeling. And, uh, you know, some guys go out, and they just do the moves, and they think it's cool, but there's no reaction from the people because it's just A, B, C, D, E, F, G, super kick, super kick, moon, salt, harana, dive outside the ring, let's do some more spots that nobody will care about because they've all done it, seen it, been there, got it, well, yeah, wins intermission. And that's what I'm talking about. Not saying don't do it, I'm just saying <sighs> Bret Hart, and Stone Cold look like stars. They presented themselves as stars, and they kept that allure as stars. That's what I'm saying. And uh, my good friend, Lance Storm, who, who I really do, I like. I like Lance, he, and I do have respect for Lance. But <laughs> I read this last night uh, that Lance went, was was talking to somebody, um, Chris Sigia, S-I-G-G-I-A, published December 12, 2020. The headline is, Lance Storm makes a plea to veteran wrestlers who talk down to younger talent. And I thought, well, let me read this, because this could be interesting. Um, and, and if we, well, yeah, we can do it, because it's called taking you to school. I'd like to take some people to school real quick here. So let me just kind of address this, if I may. Uh, the second paragraph says, Storm said a couple of years ago, I really noticed a lot of younger generation guys openly being disrespectful to veterans and when veterans gave advice. I thought, that sucks. But then I've noticed more and more that there are a lot of veteran guys, my generation and older than me, that give the advice in such a demeaning, derogatory manner that I can see why the younger generation are disrespectful. This is a real minor case of it, but I saw a tweet, and I won't name who it was because the guy who said it I have a lot of respect for, <clears throat> but there was a clip of Brett and Austin wrestling. There were short clips of Brett and Austin with fundamental wrestling. He tweeted it out, and I'll change the wording, which I wonder why he would change the wording, but he says, I'll change the wording, but he wrote, hey, no stupid dives, no stupid flips, yet this is really good. Look at the basics and look at the fundamentals. Um, I didn't say that. I said, but there's no hurricanes, no toupees. Okay, maybe that's a stupid dive. Maybe that's a stupid flip. Uh, I said, this is authentic. And he, Lance continues, I thought to myself, why did you need the negative? Hmm, I, I didn't know it was negative. I was talking about authenticity. And Lance says, it is good advice. This is great fundamentals. You can tell a great story and get people invested in this, but as soon as you start with, hey, don't do your stupid shit, I never said, hey, don't do your stupid shit. Look how great this is. Um, I don't know that I said, look how great this is. I said, look what they're doing. It's authentic. It's a lost art. Uh, all the people might need the advice, or all the people that might need the advice or could heed the advice of, man, here are some really great basic wrestling that could really work, are just going to turn it off. I've seen it a lot. We don't need to name names. I think most people know a lot of people who will do it. They are smart people who have valuable information to be relayed, 
But by belittling it, by belittling and saying derogatory, or saying it derogatory, sorry, it reminds me that there are two things you need to be to be a good teacher. You need to have the knowledge and something worth teaching, but you need to have the ability to relay to the student in a manner by which they will listen, absorb, and learn. I think many of us from an older generation need to remember that if the goal is to be better, that, or is to better the industry and have people learn, maybe we need to teach in a more respectful manner in doing so. Then maybe those that listen will be more respectful to it. I'm calling bullshit. Uh, no. I found that a lot of people, the younger guys today, are very disrespectful. And when they come up and say, hey, buddy, I'm not your buddy. Uh, hey, Doc Tom. Hey, Doc, what's up? That's cool. But, hey, brother, see, I'm not your brother yet either, man. If you've been in the business, I don't know, uh, maybe two months, six months, or a year, maybe, no. No, that's that's not the way to address a veteran. You get too familiar too fast, you think you know everything right away. That's just my feelings on it, Lance. And, uh, and he says it in here. It may be the chicken and the egg thing. I don't know whether it was – anyway, I'll, I'll forget about that. But, but I didn't say what you said, Lance. I just said this is an example, and that's what people say. Um, oh, well, we're super kicks, and, and you're going for that holy shit or this is awesome chant. And JR got in some heat this weekend, too, when he went his on his podcast and said something about talking to the guys in AEW about doing a DDT and some of these finishing moves and, and clustering out by the ring and having a dive. Uh, you know, and, but, but they actually do that, and the truth hurts. And, and nobody wants to be told the truth. Everybody is so fragile these days. Everybody is so uh, – they get butt hurt over someone yelling or telling them in a manner that it gets your attention. A long time ago, I was told, worry about it when your coach stops yelling at you. If, if you know, Good players want to be coached. Great players want to be told the truth. If it looks good, you'll see it. If it sounds good, you'll hear it. But if it's real, you'll feel it. And too many times today, it's not real. And, uh, yes, you have a lot of kids watching. But, but let's go back to, to <laughs> before COVID hit, uh, and back in the days of the Attitude Era, what was the TV ratings? How many people were watching TV? I don't really recall. Do you? Uh, it was probably between Raw and Nitro. At, least, at the high points, around 10 million people probably okay, watching. Okay, 10 right million people. At least, yeah. Okay, right. Okay, that's pre-COVID, and that's pre or that, that's uh, uh, during the Attitude Era. Okay, so 10 million people. Let's just say that. We're in a, we're in a state right now in the world, not just the country, but in the world, where people are forced to be home, forced to find entertainment. And there's only 1 million people looking at wrestling. Out of 10 million, forced to be at home, there's over how many? 300 million people in the, in, in the U.S. alone. And there's less people watching ever in the business today than there were during the Attitude Era. And why is it? that you have to bring back a 61-year-old guy from the Attitude Era to be a huge draw, and you still only draw 
a little over a million people. And that only, I'm not saying only, like, oh, you only do it. No, I'm saying, but at the same time, compared to what it was during the Austin, Brett, Rock, Mankind, Taker era, you're only drawing a million people. You have a niche audience, no doubt. You have little kids who want to play video games, and they think that's cool, man. And they think it is cool. Super kick, super kick, super kick, toupee, 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 have a corona, have a corona. Great stuff, man. Holy shit, holy shit. This is awesome. This is awesome. Back in those days, when you had Austin and when you had Brett going, the people were cheering. There was, a, there was genuine emotion. There was genuine feeling in the air. When I teach, I have passion. And when I'm passionate, I get excited. When I get excited, I make it a point to yell. I make it a to Sometimes I jump up and down. Sometimes I get in there and really show you. And sometimes you'll see my enthusiasm. And I get with it. Those who do, do. Those who don't, never will. I, that's my feeling, and that's my way of coaching. You know, you have your way. I have my way. The right way, the only way, does not exist. If that works for you, Lance, by all means, do it. But what works for me is what I found works for me. And I've had guys who've been signed. I've trained guys who have been champions. I've trained guys who have been stars. Does it work every time? Hell no. And you can't tell me you're 100% either. But I will say this. I think it is time for some of these kids, uh, in fact, a lot of these kids, not all of them, because I've got some really good guys, and I've met some really good people. But a lot of these people, a lot of the kids that come into business today feel entitled feel like they should be a star right away and I got this great gimmick before they even know how to walk, before they even know how to lock up. Lance, I think, and I am speaking to Lance, I think you will agree with me that the basics and fundamentals never go out of style. You cannot have a great career without a solid foundation. It will crumble. If all you can do is go out and do flip, flop, and fly, you ain't going to last that long. Uh, you have a guy like Goldberg who came out and speared people every week. Yeah, that's all he needs to do. Those are the exceptions to the rule. You have a guy like Sting, never going to be a technical wizard, don't need to be because he's Sting. He's got the charisma. He is that guy, exceptions to the rule. Then you have the genuine guys, the genuine entertainers, the genuine guys who go out there that can get you invested and get you to feel it, and get you to stand up, get you to sit down, get you to cry, just orchestrate your entire emotional uh, stamina throughout the match. Like an Austin, like a Rock, like a Mankind, like an Undertaker, like a Shawn Michaels, and I'll say Triple H, by all means. So, yes, the younger generation needs understanding. Yes, we do need high spots. Of course we need spectacular, and we do need to evolve. We need to make it as, as exciting as possible. But I did not say what you said I said in this article. I did not say don't do your stupid shit. Although I will say now, don't do your stupid shit. Do it where it means something. Because if you, if you don't sell anything being done to you, then it means absolutely nothing, and it's just a bunch of moves. That's the difference between guys like Austin and Brett. They sold, they made you get into it, they, they gave everything they did meaning. That's what's missing today. They were authentic. They could feel it when it was happening. They let it breathe. They didn't go, bam, 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 bam,
bam, bam, bam, bam, bam, bam, bam, bam. Oh, finish. Okay, great. All right. I watched a match the other day, and I don't even remember the names of the guys. But it was a 20-minute match of one series of spots after another, and they did major moves off the top rope. Didn't even cover. The one time they did cover, they kicked out on two. Then they did another major series, and I thought this was going to be the finish. And I counted seven more false finishes after that, and I'm going, holy Christ, no wonder. Now, that's an old-timer talking, and that's a veteran talking, no doubt about it. But I'll say this about any other sport, too. Football is still blocking and tackling. Baseball is still fielding the ball you're taking batting practice. And God damn it, why isn't professional wrestling the same way? Why don't you consider the basics and fundamentals and practicing and getting that down important enough to stress to these kids when you go on TV that it is story telling and of course they're telling their stories and their stories are video games and going ping 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 nothing wrong with that when it's done right if you make me feel it no doubt about it i'm gonna get into it you'll always need to put the spots in there i'm not saying don't do your stupid shit what i'm saying is put your stupid shit where it belongs when it belongs and how it belongs that's all i'm saying I'm not knocking the kids. I don't I don't particularly care for a lot of them because I think this. When you show too much, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter or any of the social media we have today, I know it's necessary, but when you show everybody that, oh, you're just one of them, then pretty much you are. You're not special anymore. You're not a star. Jimmy Hart, who's another veteran who I would listen to, would say, if you dress like the crowd, pretty soon you're going to be back in the crowd. In other words, be different. Be special. Don't let them become too familiar with who you are and what you really are. Let them believe you are a star. Portray yourself as a star. Be a star. Don't, be, don't play the part. Be the part. Dress for the job you want, not for the job you got. And once you get that job you want, Hold on to it and evolve. Jericho is a great example. Jericho has never stayed the same. But a lot of these kids want to go right into coming off the top rope, doing the cool shit, doing the flippy stuff, as they say, and don't know how to lock up, don't know how to transition, don't know, and they don't care. And Lance thinks sitting down and babying these guys is going to make it better. No, it's going to give them more entitlement and more uh, feeling of, of, I am... I should be doing this because everybody can do it. No, that's the thing. Not everybody should do this. Not everybody should be allowed to do this. It should be special, and it should be something that you should attain, want to attain, and work for, not just say, hey, I'll go to a wrestling school. Next thing you know, I'll be a superstar because it doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. The the people that come to our school, I've just recently started sending out acknowledgement letters, letting everyone know that the ring is not a trampoline and and the ropes aren't rubber bands. I'm up front with these guys because I've got in in the last, every class I've got for the last two years, I've got people who come in, give me the same story. This is all I've wanted to do. I want it no matter what. I'm ready to work my butt off. Uh, Nothing's going to stop me. And after three weeks, their back hurts. Well, no kidding. Everybody's back hurts. 
but the ones whose back hurts, the ones that really want to, I see they they keep doing the drills and they keep going forward and they keep working through it and they do what they have to do to get through. But the other people who don't will fade away and that's okay. I totally understand that. I don't. I, I'm not. I would prefer you to tell me up front. But now I'm letting you know the ring is hard. The ropes are going to hurt in the beginning. If you've never done this, it's not easy. And it's not for everybody. Not just anyone should be allowed in this business. And I feel that with my heart and soul. You can, you can say I'm an asshole. I don't care. I'm an asshole. But, but to say that what these guys are doing is everything they do is right, it's not. It's not. And they're missing a lot of their foundation. And they may go for however long they're going to go. If they go 10 years, if they last in 15 years, whatever it is, that's, that's tremendous. They change the business, that's, that's tremendous. I, I still believe uh, without the basics and fundamentals, um, you're going to crumble. And that just remains to be seen. Why in the world, if, if they have all these superstars and have all these guys that they want to see flip, flop, and fly, why would they bring Sting in to AEW. Why? Why do they need him? They got these superstars. They got the guys that the young kids want to see. Not this old fart Sting who's 61 years old, who who's one of the biggest stars back in the, the 80s and the 90s. What the hell do they need him for? Oh, let's see. You're only drawing a million people. And and that was with Sting. Um, and you're, there's Goldberg is kind of out there too making rumblings. And Okay, I get it. And, and Jericho. And I'm not, I think Jericho's great. Jericho's been tremendous in reinventing himself. But, but those are the exceptions. Um, how, how long, I don't know, how long can they last? Uh, that that kind of, that gets me fired up a little bit when, uh, when people say to JR, you know, they, they mock the fact that JR stated a fact that you congregate outside the ring, side by side, waiting for this guy to do a dive, and you catch him outside the ring. And they get, one guy got hot about it. Don't remember who he is. Don't care. But, you know, nobody, you know, youth is wasted on the young. I understand that. And sometimes you, we all screw up when we're young. God knows. I've done it. I, I continue to do it. And then you look back on it. And you say, boy, I was stupid. A lot of guys look back on stuff and say, boy, I wish I would have known then what I know now. Teddy Hart, I'll name him. I told Teddy he was 18 years old, one of the youngest guys to ever sign with WWE. And he wanted to do all this full pop and fly then. I said, Teddy, less is more. We're telling stories here. And he looks at me and says, no, no, more is more. And when I saw him last year in MLW, he says, yeah, I wish I would have listened to you then. No, I get it. It's just wasted on the young. But but nobody wants to listen to anybody else because everybody knows it. Everybody is uh, such a spoiled, inconsiderate, disrespectful brat. Uh, hey, bro. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey, man. No, what, what do you mean? You might learn something. Keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Just because you're on a nationally televised show doesn't mean you belong on a nationally televised show. Um, that's my that's my take, man. So, uh, so Lance, if you, I, I don't know how many people we have listening, John. 
I don't know how many people cover this show. But if anybody hears it and gets a chance to tell Lance, Lance, I love you. I respect you. I do. I think you're a great trainer. I think you're a great worker. But, dude, you're off base on this, man, because I didn't say what you said I said. Don't change my words if you ever quote me again, please. Because everything I'll say, I'll say it, and I'll say it to whoever wants to hear it. And even if you don't want to hear it. But, but I'm not bitter about the way things are changing. I'm bitter about the attitudes a lot of these people have. A lot of the kids in the business today have think that nobody else knows but them, and they have the secret formula to make it success. Once again, just wrap this up. In, in a time where we're all having to sit home and watch or, or get involved in something, and at one time there was over 10 million viewers, and they were watching rock, Austin, Brett, and guys like that. Why is it with, with such fantastic performers like the Young Bucks, like Marco Stunt, and whoever else you want to name, but those are just the ones that come to mind right now. All those brilliant minds and those brilliant athletes and their brilliant work, why is it that you're only garnering one million or a little over a million? Why is it? And then why is it you have to bring back, with all that young array of talent and all those young upcoming superstars, what in the world would Sting have to do with coming back to AEW? Why? Why do you need Sting? Why would you even want to, want to bring an old fart like that down? Because what does he know? And, and why would you need Arn Anderson there? Why would you need Tully Blanchard there? Why would you need anybody there who, who was anywhere around the 80s or 90s or 2000s? I mean, aren't they just going to be bitter and angry? I, you know, I have to question that, man. You know, so, yeah, I, I will, and I will continue. If I see something on Twitter, man, that I just want to get people riled up about, I'll do it again. Because I, I really did. I, I wondered if there would be anybody who would bite. I didn't think Lance Storm would. Uh, but Lance, didn't you didn't quote me? Quote me though, man. Next time, I, I I please because you you did not say I didn't say what you said I said, and I didn't I never said this is the right way to do it. I said this is look at what they did. Everything they did in four moves meant something. It's authentic. It's authentic, and authentic authenticity is missing in the business today. Respect is missing in this business today. And I don't know if we're ever going to get it back because I don't think any of these kids have been taught respect. I think uh, I, I go back to the entitlement, and uh, they weren't taught. They just feel like they're owed something, and they're owed absolutely nothing. That's my thoughts. Plus, Thatcher jumped in. Obviously, you know he was pretty much in agreement with you. Hurricane Helms, uh, um, oddly, jumped in and said, "Respectfully, not everyone teaches the same way. Not everyone learns the same way." And I know what he kind of means, but he's kind of a little bit off on what what the whole point of, of the message was. But you know, that's fine. So he's kind of agreeing respectfully, but disagreeing respectfully. But um, obviously, if you think about it, and, and somebody that is actually friends with Lance Storm brought this to my attention. They said, and I don't know if this is true or not true, but just throwing it out there, how much of that and his comments are him trying to get in with the guys today looking for a job or maybe trying to buddy up with some of these guys? So that's just something which is I, I didn't even think about it, and this was a buddy of his 
that's wrestled him, but in the same, you know, um, arenas as him, but all over the world. And just kind of saying, hey, how much of that maybe is him just trying to get in with some of these younger guys? Is it all oh, actually, you know, you never know, you know, with you, the, with you never right? know, you, you really never know. And I understand the climate out there. I really, really do understand the climate. But at the same time, um, <laughs> if that's the case. Uh, then, then that's just a whole another petri dish that I'd rather stay away from. So right, right. It, it, yeah. It's just another little wrinkle that I was like, yo, it's like maybe that's why he chimed in. But you never know. Maybe he really is feeling the way he's feeling, and you know, maybe he just thinks that uh, some of the, some of the guys don't treat the, uh, some of the guys correctly. But who knows? Uh, each well, person is it. Yeah, I, I think you're allowed. Yeah, we're all allowed our opinions, and that's all wrestling is—is is an opinion. But but I have my opinion, and I I am steadfast on that. I, I'm uh, respect is something that you give, you earn, and then you get. And uh, if you don't care about respect, that's that's fantastic. Go somewhere else. And if if you want to go somewhere where they don't care about respect, then okay, let. <laughs> Let him. You you hoist the flag on that ship and and sail as long as you can, man. That's just the way I feel about it. And if uh, if that slants um, modus operandi to 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 get on the good side of whoever wants to get on, more power to you, man. Just don't don't please don't misquote me. Please just say the words I said, and you interpret it however you want. But I would think you would know. Uh, and then again, you're right. Yeah, whatever it is, man. But but I I did I did get a little fired up uh, when I saw that last night, and and I thought, yeah, no, no, Lance, if you don't don't say if you don't want to name me, which which I I believe you were talking about me. I could be all wrong, but I'm the only guy uh, that pretty much I was the one who sent that out there, and I was the only veteran. In, no, he was. In, it was you. Yeah. Oh, certainly it was me. Yeah, I know it was me. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, but but I'm going to give Lance the benefit of all doubts here. You know, you might just be saying it because you, you're trying to get hooked up, and that's cool too. That's fine. But um, I I really do try and stay away from that because I like to I like to let live and let live. But at the same time, uh, when when you want to come at me back on Twitter about. The, saying these guys had no skill and they were boring, and uh, the Young Bucks and and Kenny Omega had better matches, and ah, you know, it's all opinion. You're right; it is all opinion. But can they? Are they better storytellers? Do do they really tell a story that intrigues people? If they if they really did, and if you were that much of a draw and that popular, why is it that only one million people who are forced to stay in their homes, we are having quarantine, and people have to 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 do all this stuff now and looking for some kind of escape when you can't go out anywhere you can't go to the arena so you have to watch it on TV why are no why is is wrestling and not just on AEW side but even on WWE side man I'm not on not just going to hit AEW but but on all wrestling side why is it that it's down so much is it because that that the old guard or the old school um were such assholes that we killed it no no, no, that's not it. Uh, I, I don't know the the exact answer, but I do know that uh, it's certainly not the same feeling. It's certainly not the same authentic behavior or on promos or even walking in the ring or talking in the ring or doing what you would do where you're really feeling it. I'm not look. 
Let me stress. I'm not saying go out there and pretend you're the bad guy or the good guy and you're mad at each other. Go out there and do what you would do if you were in a wrestling match. What kind of person are you? Are you that kind of person who would take a shortcut and cheap shot? Um, there's there's some people I believe that would. Kevin Owens, I think, is authentic. I believe a lot of his stuff, and, and as goofy as it may sound at times, uh, that's Kevin Owens being goofy, and when I see him out there, I believe he's that kind of guy. Uh, Jericho is Jericho, and Jericho's always been Jericho, and Hunter's Hunter. I believe there are some authentic people on 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 uh, on the horizon, if you will, but the majority are, are little guys who get butt hurt if anybody offers any kind of critique or criticism. They can't take it because they're stating the facts. If you look at the dives when everybody congregates and huddles up, it's the facts. And when you tweet it back and say and make a, make a mockery of it or you say something about it and you get hot about it, well, it's just showing how stupid and immature you are. So uh, that's all. Now, there was a guy who had, I guess, the I, – I don't even know how to describe it. He had a, a name on his Twitter that was uh, a comic book hero's, like, um, whatever, like his um, his real name, the comic book hero's real name <laughs> as his name, and then he said, like, the Young Bucks are better than Bret Hart or something. I was just like, well, I guess that's his opinion, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. Yeah, like, that's great. But, uh, you know, I may disagree, but that's great. It's just your opinion. Right, right. It is your opinion, but but when I, we're talking about authenticity, we're talking about uh, instead of just playing a part and and what really did draw at that time as compared to today. Why why is it so down today? Why is the viewership down? Why why isn't it? If it's if it's so great, then why isn't it so great? Uh, that's my question. I, I I don't know. Oh well, they've only been in business less than two years. Okay, give them a chance. Okay, I'll give you a chance. Um, what what are they going to do? And what? My goodness, you know what? What did they do with Shaq? They did nothing. They didn't do anything for with Shaq. Didn't get him any extra publicity. Didn't get anybody talking about it except in the wrestling business and the guys who watch AEW. And um, did it garner some more viewers? A couple. Yeah, it did. But um, did you get any mainstream publicity out of that? Was anybody talking about that the next day on Good Morning America or, or uh, uh, the Today Show or anything like that? I, I, I might. Did they? I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, didn't hear about it. Um, wasn't on any of the news feeds I read. So, oh, wait. That's right, because I'm an older guy, and I only read. I don't read uh, SpongeBob SquarePants news feed. I don't know. Um it just there, there, there's a lot of things that that everybody needs to sort out. I don't have the answers, obviously, but I do have opinions. And if you don't like my opinion, that's cool. I don't have to like yours either. But again, if you're going to talk about it, don't misquote me. Use my quote. Say it word for word because I don't care. I can take it. I'm a big boy. You're not the first guy to tell me I'm the shit or I'm an asshole. Trust me. It's all right. Lance Storm was definitely a good hand, good worker, and he's a good trainer. But I'll leave you with this last quote here. You have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. Which is a quote from your book, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum, Advice, Suggestions, and Stories to Help the Aspiring Pro Get to the Next Level. Just wanted to throw that out there because it's a great book and because that is a great quote. 
Well, yeah, and that that comes from uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, by the way, just so you know that, too, and that's kind of a deep-thinking uh, philosopher that I uh, I was introduced to many, many years ago, and, and I had a T-shirt that used to say, God is dead, Nietzsche, and underneath that said, Nietzsche's dead, God. So he, he believed in nihilism and believed that uh, there is no purpose in life except, you know, we're, we're just here. And then I thought, well, that's pretty drab, dark, and depressing. But at the same time, uh, he does have a lot of valid points, I think, in my opinion. And that's the great thing about the world we live in. We're entitled to our own opinion, at least as of this date. We may not be able to think our own thoughts uh, five years from now. Who knows? But while I am able to think my own thoughts and while I am able to express my own thoughts, I will. And uh, I do believe, you know, there's this way, there's that way, but there's not just one way. There's nothing etched in stone that says we have to do it. But what is etched in stone is you can get my book, a pro wrestling curriculum, on Amazon.com and uh, just type in on in the search bar Dr. Tom's book and it'll come up. And uh, we also have the jpwrestlingacademy.com website where you can find out about our winter session coming up. is January 4th through March 26th, 12 weeks, and we still have slots available for that as well. Uh, trust me, um, we, we have some really good practice sessions, and I am... Uh, a passionate coach. I, I believe in teaching with passion and um, enthusiasm, and I want everyone else to be enthusiastic uh, about it as well. So that's my story, John, and I'm sticking to it. Nice. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom on Twitter at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Of course, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com, pick up a Dr. Tom shirt, pick up a JPWA shirt, and also you can head on over to Patreon and check out JPWA and support them, become a patron over there. Any other personal appearances or anything else you got coming up? Oh, I actually do. I'm going to be in uh, oh, Altoona, Pennsylvania coming up uh, January 10th, I believe, is on a Sunday. It's a one-day camp. You can go to ImagineWrestling.com for information, and you can also go to the Facebook, Imagine Wrestling Facebook. And uh, I have a seminar the next week in Nitro, West Virginia, but I believe all those spots are filled, uh, and I'm looking forward to those. And I I believe we have a couple coming up uh, as we get farther down the road there. But for right now, that's... that's, uh, that's what we have. January 4th starts our winter session of 2021 in uh, 12 weeks. goes through March 26th. And uh, once again, you can check out all that information at jpwrestlingacademy.com. All right. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week and every week right here on Taking New School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. 